Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. Kime time. With Burns and Gambo. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Welcome back. It is the Burns and Gambo Show. We are here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader as the Arizona Cardinals on their way to Minneapolis to take on the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday morning. And joining us right now, as he does every single Friday, the general manager of the Cardinals, Steve Kime, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Steve, good afternoon. Happy Friday to you. Thanks for your time. How are you doing? Happy Friday, man. Great to be on. We're at the Mullet Arena today, Steve. We got the Coyotes' home opener in this college uh, arena that they're playing at at ASU. So their first home game playing in a college arena should be exciting. All right, exciting. How's uh, How's uh, Donor doing? Is he Is he hanging in there? He's coming on later. He'll be on with us in the uh, five o'clock hour. <laughs> That's your boy. You love Donor. Oh, big fan. Back in the day, did you ever have a mullet, Steve? You know what I did? I think it was like eighth grade, but obviously you guys have seen that I'm follically challenged now. Yeah, I would I would imagine for a lot of us that would have been a while ago. I've got one now. Yeah, you do. You've got one now. They're giving out wigs tonight, mullet wigs. I just sent you a photo, Steve. I just sent you a photo of my my mullet. I got a new mullet. Uh, You're going to love it. Beautiful. Tell me about the the state of your team going into this game. I I would imagine coming off the big win a week ago against the Saints, um, the momentum that you can build off of a moment like that. How big of a game is this for, for your guys going in on Sunday? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously playing a team like Minnesota, who's uh, you know, had a lot of success early on this season, and playing in a hostile atmosphere, there's always a lot of energy in that stadium, and a fun place to play, um, but a great opportunity for us, and, and again, coming off of a game where we won on Thursday night, I think it energized our players, not only because we won the game, but it's sort of like a mini buy. you know, you get those extra days off and let your body heal and repair on the back end, so uh, I think these guys will be ready to play, and it's an exciting time. Let's talk about the injury situation. They're very healthy. You guys are not. No James Conner, no Rodney Hudson in this game, correct? Yeah, banged up. And uh, But, again, you know, I think some of those guys did really well last week. Uh, I mentioned before Billy Price did a great job at center. I thought he played extremely well. And then, obviously, you know, Benjamin is a guy that I continue to brag about. I mean, his natural run skills and the, the physicality he ran was just really proud of him. Steve, when you look at the, the state of the NFC, the Packers are down, the Bucks are down. I mean, two teams that a lot of people expected would, would compete. The Rams are down. When you look at the trade deadline, it's fast approaching. Knowing that the NFC is more wide open than in the past, does it give you more of a, more of a, a want to go out there and make moves to try to go for it this season? Well, I mean, I think any year, um, especially um, – before the trade deadline, I don't think many teams are in, a, in, in that bad of a position where they don't uh, feel like they can acquire some uh, new talent and potentially make their roster better moving forward. But you know, I think that uh, you know this year, what's again, there's there, there's a lot of teams that are in the same boat, um, and and that's why all these wins are so important. I mean, you got you look back on the season and whether you finish you know with ten, eleven, nine wins, whatever it may be, you look back at some of those games where you didn't play well and you didn't play well at home and you lost and. Um, it makes you pay for it. So um, we have to continue to play well. Obviously, we'll take uh, uh, any opportunity we can moving forward to improve the roster, whether it's via trade or uh, through the waiver wire. All right, I won't ask you about players because that's not fair, but I'll ask you about positions. If you could if you could pinpoint one position that you think would be more of need than any other, is it edge rusher? 
you know, I would, I honestly think, um, you know, a number of places, uh, defensively, edge wrestler, uh, corner depth, uh, interior defensive lineman. Um, and then, you know, you look at the offensive line as, as banged up as we are, if there were opportunities to get into improve. But, uh, the thing that I'll say is, is, is a lot of those guys have really picked up their game. Um, as I mentioned, Billy Price and, and, uh, Will Hernandez. And then defensively, you know, two of those young kids, Cam Thomas and MyJ Sanders, I think are really coming on and they're going to have way more opportunities moving forward. And I think that they've earned it. Steve Kime, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show for his weekly visit. Uh, our chance to talk with the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury said earlier today at his presser, quote, I wouldn't be surprised if we got in on something, close quote, in reference to the trade deadline. Are, are you are you going into it similarly optimistic that you guys will get in on something before that deadline on Tuesday? I think that's just like a coach manifesting and trying to maybe <laughs> to let the power speak to me to go do something for him. But no, I'm joking. He's that, trying to speak into know, existence Cliff, is what Cliff is trying to do. He's trying to will it to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I just no. I think it's it's just Cliff knows that um, you know whether it's Michael or myself, we both have the mindset of any chance we can to improve the team, we're willing to take a shot. And you know whether it's draft picks, I know people hold draft picks like they're gold, and I do understand that. But at the same time, if you're going to get a player that um, is accomplished and you know what he can do and you know to me that's it's certainly worth it gambo asked you about the injury situation i want to focus on on rodney if i could for a second is there a concern within the organization that this is going to be how it's going to be with rodney for most of the year it seems like he has been kind of in out on off for most of the year. Is is this going to be the state for him in 2022 yeah you know i'm, I'm really not sure i um you know, obviously not having a, uh, a background in, in the medical field. I, I know that he's just banged up and, and, and the knee is bothering him. But, you know, maybe the time off and the rest uh, sometimes helps some of those guys. So hopefully that's the state he'll be in moving forward is the guy who's had some time off and can be rejuvenated. He's only been here for a short time, but do you expect a full workload for Robbie Anderson in this game? You know, I think uh, he'll have a lot of opportunities. Again, last week he played a number of snaps and did a great job with the, the you know, very, very few mental errors, um, which is surprising for a guy who, you know, had been with you for a few days. But he's a bright guy. He understands the game. And, and again, with his vertical speed and the things that he can do for us, um, I think he'll definitely have some opportunities. You know, obviously with number 10 out there, he takes a lot of the shine away. But, you know, I think Robbie's going to have an opportunity as well because somebody's going to have to be double covered and there's going to have to be some different coverage just played that's going to be, uh, you know, to give us some opportunities. You guys uh, you guys haven't won there in a long time. The last time the Cardinals won in Minnesota, Jim Hart was the quarterback against Fran Tarkenton. Um, I, I don't, I mean, you haven't played, you've only played him like 10 times, but does that, is that is that in your mind at all? Do you think about a losing streak like that? No, I, I don't, because as I told you, you know, Philadelphia beat us at home, and I think it was since 2001 since they beat us uh, at uh, in Arizona. So, uh, you know, I think every year you have a different team and different mindset, and hopefully uh, this year we can go out and take care of business. Again, I know it's a it's a fun, it's one of my favorite stadiums in the NFL, and it's obviously a, a lively fan base. How much can a, a player like Jordan Hicks that was here last year, knows Vance, knows the system, how much can he help them prepare for your defense, being that he was here and he knows the system? 
Well, I mean, I think there's always um, some intel that those guys can provide, but at the same time, you know, I think I think that there's, you know, when you're facing a different offense because you're really preparing schematically for uh, a certain type of offense and a certain type of system, which you know I think for us is a little different from most offensively. Um, so he'll have some he'll have some input, I'm sure, but but at the same time, I'm sure we'll have some new wrinkles and some things that um, you know that he hadn't done in the past. Steve Keim, Cardinals general manager. Our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. There's obviously been a lot of talk about the struggles of the Cardinals offense this year, but then there's been a lot of talk of a lot of struggles around the league from a lot of offenses. Uh, even the Vikings are talking this week about how to kind of unlock and maximize their offense. Is there a trend that you're noticing from where you sit around the league when it comes to offenses in general and whether defenses have kind of figured them out to start the season, at least to a certain extent? You know, I don't know. I, I, I would probably, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just it's hypothetical, but I'm, you know, I think to me sometimes it's the, the, the lack of full speed football in preseason, which to me gives a little bit of a, uh, an upper hand to the defense. And they're talking about uh, guys flying around and making plays versus timing and connections and, and routes and all those different things. Um, so I think that could be a part of it. But at the same time, there's some of these offenses that are clicking and new quarterbacks that are playing extremely well. And uh, I think coaches, some of the coaches around the league are doing a really good job of putting their players in positions to succeed. Do you expect that your team or that other teams around the league will change their approach to the preseason because of the slow starts for some teams? Please do. <laughs> you know, we, well, yeah, we talked about it. I think, you know, anytime that you, you have a slow start like we did and, and um, you know, it, it certainly um, – causes some pause and makes you look back and try to, uh, whether it's through analytics and how many reps you get and snaps and and that sort of thing, or the physicality of your training camps. Um, but we definitely have to take a deep dive into it and, and, and make sure that we make the improvements. We talked earlier about the, the this, this stretch. This four-game stretch may very much define whether this is a playoff team or not. Do you look at it that way? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, again, I think every, every win matters, particularly the NFC. And, again, you know, you're playing a team with this kind of record. And, and again, I think a win like this, uh, this weekend, if, if, if we can pull this off, it, it, uh, it certainly catapults you in terms of confidence. You know, it gives you confidence moving forward that you can beat most of the teams. You can win on the road like we did last year in a number of situations. Uh, and that's important down the stretch. But as we all saw last year, you know, with the 7-0 and record, you know, and, and obviously – not playing good football at the end of the season, that's when it really matters. But you, you got to stack up enough wins for it to matter, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Steve, we uh, appreciate the time, as always. Best of luck to the organization this weekend against the Vikings. We'll talk to you next Friday, okay? Thanks, Sean. I'm going to talk to you next week. Thanks, Steve. That's Steve Kime joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back here on this Football Friday, Patrick Peterson, when he was here, he could talk the talk and he could walk the walk. Well, he's talking up there in Minnesota. Is he going to walk on Sunday against the Cardinals? The bold prediction from Patrick Peterson next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, probably the most famous of the hair bands, I would say. Bon Jovi? Yeah. I think they're the most famous. Yeah, they 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 took it to its highest level, probably. Def real Leopard, party in the back I think, with them. I'm sorry? A real party in the back with it them. Was, <laughs> yes, yes, it was. I don't know. There's only one Bon Jovi song that I really like. 
It's not, uh, what is it, Living on a Prayer? No. Runaway. Or Alive? Runaway. Oh, wow. Before he was like a hair band guy, but Runaway. I think Runaway's his best song. They were still just kind of a rock and roll band then. Yeah. Before they kind of leaned into the hair band thing. I kind of still look at them as a rock and roll band. I don't know, man. I remember as a kid, ski trips up to Colorado, we would play Wanted Dead or Alive again and again and again and again in the car. And it was like my my parents loved it. They loved that music. We loved that music. It was a lot of fun. Uh, We are playing. It's a a hair band Friday in addition to being a football Friday here because we're live from Mullet Arena site of tonight's Coyotes home opener. And so Mitch has put together an outstanding playlist of hair bands. So far, we've heard from Winger and we've heard from uh, Rats and we've heard from from Bon Jovi. I'm sure we'll get a little Def Leppard and some others in there, too, while we're at it. But what we've got right now is Patrick Peterson. Boy, and doesn't just make you miss the days of playing sound bites from the All Things Covered oh, podcast. Man, I thought we were done with that. God, that was a staple of the Burns oh. and Gambo show for a long time. What did Pat Pete say this week on his podcast with his cousin or brother-in-law, Brian McFadden? I always get confused which one it was. Um, Patrick Peterson. Now the Minnesota Vikings. He's been up there for a couple of years now. Boy, he he can talk, man. And when asked about this matchup coming up, of course, they're coming off the bye. So he's doing his podcast, and they're talking about the next game after the bye. And here goes Patrick Peterson doing the Patrick Peterson thing. You got a home game, and I know Skull Nation. They're going to be fired up. Vikings are 5-1 trying to improve on that said uh, record. And hopefully, Pat P, man, you know them interceptions, they come mm-hmm. in bunches. You know you wanna you wanna that they do you, you wanna you wanna that fall in some more. You about to say something? Hey. Yeah, I am about to say something. What you got? I'm getting two October thirtieth. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, there's more. Hold on. I'm Hold getting on. two October thirtieth. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. There's more. That's what I say. I like that. <laughs> Okay, now you can go. Sorry, it was just these long dramatic pauses in between his ridiculous predictions. I wanted to make sure we really I, let it breathe. I wish I would have looked this up. How many times has that guy has had two and two deceptions in his career? It is that's it? No, we've got to be more than that. In one game? In one game. Well, it hasn't happened twice. Patrick Peterson has had two interceptions in a game only twice in his career. And now he's calling he's going to get two? The last came in 2014, back when the Rams were still in St. Louis. Wow. That was the last time. That according to the story put together by uh, Jess Root from CardsWire.com. He said he had a good game last week against Miami, going up against you know Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. He did three pass breakups. He had an interception, a 126-14. He was good. I mean, he was really good. Now, you know he's 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 not as dominant as he was. It's a, you know it's it's kind of a shame when I think about it, right? Because he should really if if he if he would have went out the door with a little bit, you know, without without uh, I don't know how to say it, but the way he left, he could have been a great cardinal. Like he could have been one of those guys that you value, oh, I know you're trying you appreciate to appreciate it and you yeah. respect. But he kind of burned some bridges on his way out. And the suspension and the talk, and I don't want to play here anymore, and I want to be traded. And it's almost like he kind of trashed the organization and didn't want to be here. But he was one of the, like, how many Cardinal players were better than him? He is one of the best players to ever put on a Cardinal uniform from a sheer talent perspective. There's no, there's no question about it, and I understand exactly but the sentiment never that you're trying to convey. He'll never be loved. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't speak for all the fans on this one. I, I'm able to separate the two to a certain extent, right? Like I look at Patrick Peterson, and, and I look, no, that guy was one of the 
best Cardinal players ever. I mean, he, he was he was worth every single penny. He was worth that draft pick. He was great when he was here. Just a legitimate classic shutdown corner who every single week took on the opposition's best player and eliminated him from the game plan. Man, those guys are hard to find. So for me, I'm able to acknowledge all of that and set all the other stuff aside and just like not worry about all that other stuff. But there's no doubt that I don't even get all that upset about the PED suspension. Honestly, it was asking for a trade in the middle of the Steve Wilkes mess, right? And then the on again, I'm back, I want out, I'm here, I'm gone. I got blocked by Jared Goff. (laughs) I forgot about that, yeah. He got blocked, but, like, you don't even care. Yeah. Like, Like, you didn't even try. You let Jared Goff block you. Like, it was bad. Like, now, in Minnesota... They don't play, you know, here in Arizona, he played that that press coverage a lot. And in Minnesota, they don't do that. So, you know, he said his body feels great, but they're kind of preserving him because, you know, with the Cardinals, he, you know, he played a lot of that press coverage. And now the way they play, the schemes, the system that they play, it's kind of reducing that wear and tear on his body. How old is he now? 33? He's been in the league for 12, 12 years. 32. He's 32, he'll turn 33 next summer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, what a career, though. I'm going to play 12 years in this oh, league. That's I, a hard thing to do. I, I mean, and that's, that's what I'm saying is is that I, I actually don't I don't get that bothered by Patrick Peterson. I, I know some people do. I know some people uh, really don't like how he, as you put it, kind of burns some bridges on his way to the town. I, I'll say this, and, and our our buddy Mike Jarecki pointed this out on Twitter a couple of days ago, and, and if you're going by flawed as it might be, if you're going by pro football focuses metric, Patrick Peterson's having a really good year by their metric, by their measure. They've they've graded him very, very highly for the season that he's had so far. In fact, I believe he, he is a smart player. He is their third. I had it up here just a second ago. Where did it go? On defense for them, he's their fifth highest graded player overall. Um, he's got this little shock, Cardinal fans. He's got an amazing tackling grade. Which never was his strong suit. I know. His coverage grade is really good. His overall score is very, very good. So, um, but but you know he just oh I'm gonna get two. I, I'm it's stuff like that. It's just like come on, dude. You know if you get two, congratulations, boy. What a day against your former team. But do you really still harbor that against them? And if so, for what purpose? You know because they didn't. Well, they because didn't want you, you back because, because they, they were they ready to tell move him. on. They didn't tell him. If you remember how it went, he was most upset because he think they, they he thinks that they played him. He thinks that they played him. They kind of they, they didn't tell him they didn't want him, but they they kinda didn't left want him dangling. They left him. Yeah, yeah, they yeah left and, and, But that's the truth. They were leaving him dangling. They were going to see what else they could get. If they could get anything else better, they were going to let him go. But if they couldn't get anybody. Well, then they were going to try to bring him back on a cheap deal. So they didn't. They never closed the door fully, but they didn't really want him back. The only reason they were going to take him back would have been as if they struck out and got nobody. Um, they ended up with, what, Malcolm Butler, but in the end they didn't want him. So he kind of thinks that they, they strung him along, and yeah. he didn't like that. He didn't like that, hey, you guys are telling me like you still want me back. Well, yeah, because that's how the game is played. For what it's worth, I'll say this. He's not wrong when it comes to one of the key matchups on Sunday. It's not necessarily him, but it's their ability to force turnovers and the Cardinals' ability to limit turnovers. That is one of the key parts to this game. Yeah, the Cardinals will turn the ball over You could say it's the key part to every game, but no, the Cardinals don't turn the ball over that much, and Minnesota has thrived in forcing them. That, that's kind of one of the 
the hinge points for this game. So while I don't think he's going to get two, I think he'd be fortunate if he got one, that element of this game is certainly a big part of the game because Minnesota's been one of the top teams in the NFL at forcing them, and the Cardinals have been very good at not giving them up. Yeah. He's on a one-year deal. He's been with them for two years. But, you know, but it, it does go back to, I think a lot of it goes back to he was upset with Kime because he wasn't really answering his text messages. But he was a guy who was a fifth overall pick for them. He was a great player. He went to a ton of Pro Bowls, eight or nine Pro Bowls. And, you know, I don't know. I think I'm more indifferent to him. You know, than anything else, but I mean, I, I readily admit he's one of the best players to ever put on a Cardinals uniform. No, I think you and I are pretty similar. I, I'm, I'm actually pretty indifferent to him, too. I, I recognize him like you do for what his greatness. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Suns and Pelicans tonight from downtown Phoenix, obviously a rematch of a first-round playoff series, a playoff series that was filled with all sorts of great matchups. How many of those are we going to focus on tonight? We'll talk about next here on Burns and Gambo. and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I probably saw them in concert three times. Def Leppard. Yep. Yeah. Pour some sugar on me. Yeah. Pyromania. This is a photograph right here. Photograph. Yeah. And another song I really liked, Def Leppard. I had a whole bunch. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, not this one. They were... Um, Photographs, good song. Yeah, I, I I saw them at least three times, maybe more. That's a hairband Friday here on the Burns and Gambo on show. The heartbreak <laughs> was good as an old one right yeah. there. Uh, we're live from Mullet Arena. That's why we're going hairband music for you because tonight the Coyotes are playing their home opener in their new home. What's going to be their new home for at least the next three years, maybe more, until final approval and shovels in the ground at their new arena in Tempe. I mean, it hasn't even been approved yet. We're still waiting to see if it gets approved and they start building it. But for now, this is where it's going to be, home for the Coyotes here, Mullet Arena, ASU's hockey arena that's about 5,000 seats capacity. Um, It's going to be a little less, you know, when the NHL games are here because they've got to make room for TV cameras and stuff like that. But um, Nationally televised games, which tonight is. But they've got some standing room only. They've got a student section as well, you know, where students can get tickets like 25 bucks. I think that's where the the far end we're looking at now. And then, like, standing room only. I think a few hundred of those 5,000 are not seats, but actually come in and stand and watch the game. Yeah, it's it's a really, really nice arena. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously very beautiful. small for NHL purposes, but yeah. in terms of what it was built for, a college hockey team, it's great. It's beautiful. I mean, it's really it's a really cool place. And I've had a couple friends who've already gone to an ASU game, and they, they said they just had a great time in the environment here. Now, not too far from where we are tonight, the Phoenix Suns host the New Orleans Pelicans tonight at 7 o'clock. It's a game you're going to hear right here on 98.7 and Arizona Sports. And of course, it's a rematch of last year's first-round playoff series, and it, it kind of certainly not revenge or payback or, you know, any of no, that Suns stuff. Suns won. Suns won. I mean, maybe from the Pelicans' standpoint. but no, it is- I don't even think that. I think that there is... Um, I think the Pelicans felt really good about their their future when they got out of that they, series. They should have. They played I think really their well. Fan base, their coach, they 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 pushed the Suns. They pushed them. I mean, it was a they won a couple of games again. Everybody thought the Suns were going to wax them in four, get a lot of rest, and get ready for the Mavs. You know, but the Suns had to work. They had to work hard. It's like, man, you went six games at New Orleans. Like they were. A, that was a battle. I mean, it was that was a tough series. But the Pelicans came out of it. They had no Zion, and they pushed the Suns, and they pressed the Suns. 
Suns, and so they came out of that thinking their future was really bright, and that that C.J. McCollum trade really worked out for them. Yeah, it was interesting hearing Monty yesterday talk about just how close the Suns were to getting eliminated in the first round, which would have been one of the shocker of all shockers. I mean, I, oh yeah, you know, you thought we got shocked when they lost Game Seven to Dallas. Can you imagine if they had lost in the first round to the Pelicans, the play-in Pelicans, when you're the 64-win Phoenix Suns, and yet it felt like on the verge, and no individual matchup defined that series more than Jose Alvarado versus Chris yeah. Paul. And Chris had a good series, but there were times during that series. I mean, Chris carried them because Book was hurt for much of that series. But there was a time there where Jose Alvarado was public enemy number one for about two weeks in yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, no, he's this little five foot ten backup point guard that not a lot of people knew anything about, you know? In games four and five, I mean, he really forced Paul to struggle. I mean, Chris Paul had eight... Uh, Eight-second violations in each game. So he struggled getting the ball up across half court. So in each of those games, Alvarado was able to force that, that violation. And then Paul became frustrated, and he, he, was, he, was, he was throwing the ball, and he just really struggled, and he got a technical foul for complaining. But he's an aggressive player. He's a defensive-minded guy. And even in Game 6, Paul elbowed him in the face when he drove to the basket. I remember And Alvarado that. chipped his, because Paul was just, I can't get this gnat off of me. <laughs> and so he elbowed him. But it was, uh, listen, this kid was a defensive wizard, man. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in college, you know, for, for, for Georgia Tech. He was a good player there for four years. He wasn't even drafted. Wasn't even drafted. Good find by Dave Griffin to get him. Sign him on a two-way contract, and all of a sudden he's a valuable piece to your team. Now, will he play tonight? We don't know. He's one of many players that are questionable from the Pelican standpoint tonight. Uh, we already know Brandon Ingram is out. He didn't travel with the team. You reported that yesterday. He's in the uh, concussion protocol, uh, if you will. C.J. McCollum is questionable. Zion Williamson is listed as questionable. Uh, Adrian Orjanowski went on ESPN today and said Zion's probably not going to play. Herb Jones is questionable. Uh, Dyson Daniels is questionable. There's a whole bunch of guys who might not play. So it's it's probably might not have the same feel. Uh, it's not the playoffs, so it's definitely not going to have the same feel. But certainly from a personnel standpoint, it's not going to be the same. Now, one thing the Pelicans do have, and they have in spades, and it gave the Suns a lot of problems last year during the playoffs, and it might give them problems again tonight, size. Lots and lots of size. And that size is healthy. Jonas Valanciunas is healthy. Jackson Hayes is healthy. Larry Nance Jr. is healthy. And it's got some wondering around the Suns. In fact, their own Kellen Olsen wrote a great story about this at ArizonaSports.com. If you're going to see some different looks from the Suns lineup-wise tonight, we haven't seen a whole lot of Dario. We haven't seen a whole lot of Bismack no, Biombo. No. Will we see Jock Landale and DeAndre Eaton on the floor at the same time to match that in this size? game to match that size? Well, I mean, if they're missing a lot of their key players, they may try to go big and do that. I mean, Valanciunas, remember last year in the playoffs with D.A.? Valanciunas, you know, gave him some issues, some problems. Like, he's a good player. He's a big body. He's a tough guy to move. He's strong. He's physical. Uh, but, yeah, they do, they do have that size. Look, when healthy, they're a threat. With, with, with Zion and Her- uh, Herb.
Herb Jones was a defensive player of the year in, in college and uh, in his conference. And then Alvarado was the defensive player of the year in his conference. So they've got these really good defensive players. you got a veteran like C.J. McCollum. you got the size. They've got that. This Murphy kid can shoot the ball so well. There's a lot to like about that team and the way that team was built. Like, there's a lot to like about it. But the size is something that could be a factor. Yeah, it could be. And um, and certainly, Monty was talking about Trey Murphy the third, and and said, "Look, there's this like he's like their version of Cam Johnson. In that, totally. if, you, if you look at it, you think, okay, he's a good shooter, and." Monty's like, he's so much more than that. I mean, yeah, he's a really good shooter, and yeah, he shoots a lot of threes, but there's so much more that he can do out there than just shoot threes, and I I do think Cam sometimes kind of gets put in that box a little bit. I don't think the Suns will take him lightly if they're missing all of their guys, because I think there's still enough there that you have to respect. Uh, it, It is. I would have liked to have seen these two teams at full strength, though. I think that would have been not only a hell of a matchup, and I said this yesterday, and I really believe this, I think it would have been the toughest of the early season matchups for the Suns, only because I think the Warriors are easing their way into the season. Clippers. I think the Clippers are easing their way into the season. What about the Mavs? Uh, I think, well, the Mavs... I mean, the Mavs might have been the... Beat them. Yeah, the Mavs the might have been the toughest because, because you're demons, right? You had to you had to get over your demons to beat them. You were down by twenty two points in that game. That might have, in retrospect, you might be right. That might have been the toughest game they played, just because you had to get over everything that happened yeah. last spring to beat them. I'm just saying from a personnel standpoint, like I can't wait. I can't wait to see Zion. I really can't. I mean, yeah. all we've heard is everything about him for the last two or three years. He's extended. He's lost the weight. He's not healthy tonight, but he's healthy. I can't wait to see what he does to that team. I fear it a little bit, but I can't wait to see it. I give them a lot of credit for building a team that he wants to be a part of. Yes. Because a lot of people thought that he was going to do the AD thing. Get me out of here. But Dave Griffin did a phenomenal job putting together a roster that is it's a playoff team. It's a fun team. They can, they're capable of beating just about anybody. Um, so I, I give them a lot of credit for how they built that team to make him want to stay. Even though he was injured and everything, it's, you know, you still had to make that decision. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports, the rest of the NFL slate this weekend beyond the Cardinals taking on the Vikings, there are games to circle. There are games to watch. There are teams you need to keep an eye on. This could be a big weekend for the Cardinals and the NFL. We'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo, presented by 72 Souls, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We had this basketball hoop in my front yard when I was growing up in high school. It's not a hairband. No, I know. It's, this is Motley Crue. But, um, oh, it is Motley Crue. We, uh, we, you could, we were the only ones in the neighborhood that had a basketball hoop that you could raise or lower. So we'd lower it to like eight feet. And we played dunk ball over at the house, and we would you know, we would pretend like we were Jordan and we'd throw it down. And I was Barkley, and I did the two-handed slam or whatever. I put together a dunk video for a friend of mine, and I set it. I set it to this song. So every time I hear "Kickstart My Heart" by Motley Crue, all I oh my god, uh, all I think about is the dunk video. I, we have to see John, that video. If, if John's listening, I, he probably how old it. were you? Uh, 15? 15? 14? Were you a little chubster? 
Oh yeah, that's why. Oh, that's why yeah. I was Charles Barkley, little chubby fifteen-year-old kid. I, I wasn't. Ball. I wasn't flying in doing the one-handed thing. I was. Yeah. I was the guy who was trying Got to rip three the, feet off the ground. No, 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 John. If you're if you're listening, John, I, do you still have the tape? I, oh John God. listens to the show a lot. He might still have the wow. tape. But we said it to kickstart my heart by Motley Crue. Well, I was John. I would have played that at your wedding. <laughs> was John your best man? Uh, John was one of my groomsmen. Oh my God, he, he should have totally played that at the wedding. Yeah, he should have. He should. He should have. Uh, the hair band. Missed opportunity there. The hair band playlist continues because we're live at Mullet Arena today for the Coyotes home opener in their new temporary building today. Uh, and of course, we'll talk with uh, Javier Gutierrez coming up a little later. Shane Doan's going to join us. Of course, his son plays for this ASU hockey team. Plays here, right? Is is so we'll talk with him about yeah. that and everything. Um, I think he scored. Did he? I think he might have scored the first goal here. I think, think it's possible. You might be right. I think you might be right. Um, so NFL this weekend. Sorry, I got a little. I got a little distracted there for oh, a second. It's a great week. Uh, it's a great oh, it's week. a great. It's a great week. And I mean, a- let's start with the biggest game of the week. I mean, you cannot get any bigger than this. First place on the line, Carolina at Atlanta. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but it is first place is, is on the line. First place whoever on the line. win that, whoever wins that game, the two and five Panthers, the three and four Falcons at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Whoever wins that game in Atlanta, that that team's in first place all alone. Crazy to think that, right? It is. And crazy yet, to thank think that. you, Tom Brady, and thank you, Tampa Bay. That's the reason why. Yeah, so much is on the line in that game. Yeah, it's uh, it's first place. I mean, look, someone's got to win that division, right? And who knows when it's all said and done, does somebody really have to win it? Yeah, it's I required. Right. It's in the it's in the rule book. Um, it might end up being Tom Brady when it's all said and done. I mean, it really it doesn't look like it now, but it it. it I know this was the easy part of their schedule. These last few weeks, their, their schedule overall isn't that kid. They're just no good. No. No, they're not. Um, but they, you know, we we were joking in the off season. Could an eight and nine team make it to the playoffs? I saw some jokes today on social media. Seven and ten, wondering if seven and ten is going to get in. Could you be seven and ten, win your division, and get in? That's, if, that's pretty bad. If it happens anywhere, it's going to be the NFC South. Yeah, right. That's pretty bad. Could it, but could it? I think we at least have to acknowledge it's possible that a seven and ten team. Could win that division and make the playoffs. I think the, the the funniest thing ever would be if Carolina wins the division. We traded Trish, Christian McCaffrey for all these picks, and we end up winning. I matter of fact, I'm rooting for Carolina. I'm, I'm rooting for Carolina. I think it would be such an embarrassment for the NFL that the Carolina Panthers trade their best player and end up winning the damn division. Well, speaking of the best player they don't have anymore, that leads us right into another big game this weekend. Divisional matchup, divisional rivalry. The San Francisco and the, the San Francisco 49ers and the L.A. Rams, 3-4 and four versus 3-3. Three and three. And, yes, Christian McCaffrey, he made his debut last weekend, obviously, but he was kind of limited, not knowing the playbook. You would imagine the Rams are going to get a full dose of CMC starting. Well, the 49ers have owned them. I mean, they've absolutely owned them outside of that NFC Championship game last year. You know, that was the only victory the Rams have had against them in the last eight meetings. So they've really had their number. It's kind of odd, right, because McVay does such a good job, uh, you know, against Cliff. Cliff does a pretty good job against um, San Francisco, and then San Francisco does a pretty good job against the Rams. So, yeah, no, you would expect, you know, that 
that one of these teams might get right with a win here. But you know, they both have three wins. Uh, a Rams win, and this is you know, I asked you early in the season who you rooted for. Like, man, I don't know who to root for in this game. I don't know what's better for the Cardinals. I mean, are, is it a Rams win or is it a 49ers win? The Rams win, they're four and three. The 49ers win, they're four and four. Okay. The answer to your question is whichever team you think is capable is I don't best know. suited to win the division, but I you don't want know. them to lose. And I don't know who yeah. it is either. I think the Rams. I I'm going to be watching the Rams to see how they do coming out of the bye because they obviously had so much that needed work. Matthew Stafford had so much that needed work. How to what extent have they kind of reinvented themselves coming out of the bye week? I'm well, curious to see. Can they protect Matthew Stafford? Is he going to stop throwing all those picks? Can they stop him getting sacked? If they could do that, they'll they'll win games. Yeah. You know? And and we totally expect that the Rams are going to make a move for a player or two before this deadline coming up as well. And by the way, for that game, while it is Christian McCaffrey in full for the 49ers, no Debo Samuel. He has been ruled out yeah, that's for that big. game by that's, San Francisco. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, that is big. He will not play in that game. Um, I'm sure we all had the 6-1 New York Giants taking on the 4-3 and three Seattle Seahawks as one of the key matchups to watch this week when the schedule was first released months ago, right? <laughs> no. Sure no, oh, you did This was supposed to be a battle for a bottom five teams in the NFL in the draft. I mean, I'm shocked at this right now. I mean, you know, one of these teams is really going to be in the driver's seat for, for a playoff game, if you think about it. I mean, if you look at the records and you say, okay, like the Giants win this game and they get to 7-1, and 7-1, one? I mean, you know, it's like we were with the Cardinals last night. You, oh. you can't not make the no, playoffs no. at seven and one in the NFC. You cannot make it. You get to seven and one, you're going. Yeah, you're going. You I had mean, nine you're... games left. Win two. Yep, you're in with the, with the state of this conference. You're going right now. Seattle wins their five and three. So with nine games left, they've got five wins. I mean, again, your nine wins is probably going to get you in somewhere, the division winner or a wild card. The Giants are banged up. Their offensive line is really banged up. Um, you've got that injury to DK Metcalf. We'll see if, you know, what kind of uh, you know factor that is in the game. I think he's the, questionable for the game. Is that officially. what it was? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. The Giants are going to have to stop that kid. That kid that that kid from Michigan State's a hell of a runner. Kenneth Walker third has been yep. running all over everybody. There was a stat in a prediction piece on ESPN. Uh, the Giants have allowed the eighth most yards per play this season, but the sixth fewest points per game. They call that an unsustainable recipe for success, and they think this is the week traveling across the country all the way to the West Coast, big time difference, that this is the week the Giants defense that's kind of been kind of been flirting with disaster a little bit by giving up all those yards and not giving up all those points, that this might be the week where it all catches up to them. But keep this in mind too, Brian Dable is 5-0 and outright in his career career as an underdog that is tied for the longest winning streak as an underdog to begin a career by any coach he's tied with bill cower seriously yep seriously hmm. no coach has ever been this good being an underdog to start a career like brian dable has uh the- it's in seattle so it's yes. another long road trip for the giants so two weeks in a row long road trips for them so i, I think you would favor seattle in this game just because their ability to run the giants do not stop the run very well they're a blitzing team Team. They're good against the pass and getting to the quarterback, but they're not great at stopping the run. You better believe Minnesota, the Cardinals' opponent, is going to have an eye on this one. The Packers at the Bills on Sunday Night the Football. The Bills are going to kill them. Packers are 11-point underdogs. That is the largest underdog spread in Aaron Rodgers' career. I don't no think that he's ever won in Buffalo. And I don't... I, I don't Probably hasn't played there a lot, but I, I didn't yeah, see that stat. I, I don't know. I saw that, and I don't know that I saved it anyway, but I don't think he's ever won in Buffalo. Yeah, the Bills... Listen, the Bills... They're, they're 
the Bills in Kansas City are basically on a different level. The Packers fall to three and five. Now they're not out of it because we're talking about seven, eight wins, nine to get you to play us. The playoffs. They're not out of it. But three and f- and they're going to lose. Like they're not going to go. They're not going to go into into Buffalo and win that football game. I highly doubt it. I'd be shocked if they did, especially with the way they're playing compared to the way Buffalo's playing. And the weather starts to get a little bit chillier now and colder, um, which Green Bay's used to because they you know they play in that cold weather too. But it really favors the Bills. It's a busy sports evening here in the Valley and across the country. Every single thing you need to know is next in the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show.